I know what you're thinking. An episode about the happening, what, plants trying to kill us? Well, yeah, plants are really dangerous, and they do defend themselves, and they can kill things. You're going to find out exactly what I'm talking about on this episode. And trust me, no one knows better than me, because I went and got a plant for my room, a cactus, and I started sleeping with it just like a stuffed animal. And every time I wake up, I'm bloody all over. What do you think that's from? Ghosts? Don't be ridiculous. It's the cactus. It hates me, or it's jealous of me. But whatever it is, I'm going to get to the bottom of it, because I've now become a PI, a plant investigator. What's that, Mr. Senator? You think a pine tree kidnapped your wife? Well, I know just the man with the right roots in the community who will branch out and crack this case wide open. Crack it like a nut, like a, like a pine nut. And I'm talking about me, Ethan Edberg, P.I., Plant Investigator. This Friday, every Friday on UPN. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Bad, bad, bad. Science. Hi everybody, welcome to Bad Science. I'm Ethan Edinburgh. This is the show that breaks down the science of a movie with a comedian and a scientist. And today, unfortunately for my guests, we're talking about The Happening. I, I force them to watch The Happening. And I really try not to crap on movies in this podcast, but it's really tough to avoid with, with this one in particular. But I am going to try and show the bright sides of it too. Um, so it came out in 2008. And I do also want to mention that in the middle of an interview five years after that, Mark Wahlberg was quoted as saying, quote, it was a bad movie that I did. I don't want to tell you what movie. All right, The Happening. Fuck it. It is what it is. Fucking trees, man. The plants. Fuck it. You can't blame me for wanting to try to play a science teacher. At least I wasn't playing a cop or a crook. <laughs> I think that sums it up pretty good. Uh, joining me today, uh, a stand-up comedian, writer, and actor you may know from Paddleton and The Feels, it's Ever Maynard. Ah! Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here, Ever. How are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing great. Living my best life up here in this isolated quarantine. I hope it's like the little house in The Happening. Yeah, it is. I actually modeled my apartment after that house because I'm such a fan of this movie. <laughs> it's got this old pipe so I can yeah. talk to my neighbors through a pipe. She just happened to have that? <laughs> <laughs> Not only did she happen to have it, she mentioned it early. At dinner. <laughs> Hey, Lizzie, I hope you're enjoying your food. I have a room with a pipe in it where you can hear an outhouse that I have. So I don't know, in case you're bored. In case you want to check it out. <laughs> There's also, I, I was looking some stuff up about you, um, which is not weird at all because you were going to be a guest on my show. So it's it's research. Yeah, it's yeah. part of my research that I'm doing. You You have a personal quote on IMDb that I loved, which is just straight up, money ain't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Did> you... <laughs> Damn, you really did. Were you aware of that? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. And I don't know. It made me think about like, how does this stuff work? Like, do you get a call from IMDb and they're like, what's your, what do you think, what quote en encompasses your attitude? <laughs> Man, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Money ain't cheap. That's for sure. Money ain't cheap. <laughs> yeah. I used to have stickers that said money ain't cheap. Maybe I should bring those back. Oh, yeah. It's something that my dad told me. And then I just started using it all the time. Man, your dad is also a funny dude. And uh, yeah, shirts. I would wear a shirt that says money ain't cheap. That's great. Okay, right. <laughs> Well, new merch coming soon. Okay. Well, joining us today in, in what I assume will be a very confusing name recognition for everybody on the program today is a PhD candidate at the University of California, Berkeley, Evan Groover. Hey, what's up, y'all? What is up, Evan? Um, I've been confused for you my whole life. And just to like make it weirder and more confusing, we also have Ever on the program. So it's Ethan, Evan, and Ever today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think we can figure it out. Yeah, I want us to kind of use our names more than we normally would. Is that okay? Can we do that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. Evan, um, not to take too much time away from Ever, um, again, I am Ethan, but Evan, you are a scientist and you have something to do with CRISPR. Is that correct? I have a few notes about you I want to get into, but can you tell people what your involvement is with it and what CRISPR is? Yes. So I am a plant synthetic biologist. So that means that I develop tools and kind of use those tools to modify plants to make them more interesting and useful for us humans. And so I, I work specifically developing a tool called CRISPR-Cas9, uh, which is a technology that was a, it's kind of a, an adapted bacterial immune system that was discovered about 10 years ago uh, here at the University of California, Berkeley. And CRISPR uh, is, is kind of a very useful tool if you want to modify the genomes of living organisms 
And so we think that it can be a really useful tool for, for improving plants. And specifically what I'm trying to use it for is to make plants more efficient at taking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So kind of taking plants' innate ability to perform mm. photosynthesis and take CO2 out of the air and kind of bumping it up by modifying their genomes with CRISPR-Cas. How dare you, sir? Yeah. Modifying plants? I'm an environmentalist. Stop messing with our plants. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that uh, I think it, it, it is in the interest of all environmentalists to, to kind of get on the same side as GMOs. I think we have immense potential to use this technology for good and for sustainability and to really empower farmers and consumers alike. So I, I'm really excited to tell people mm. about how we can do that and, um, and how we can kind of really just move a lot of the, uh, remove kind of like the inefficiencies and kind of weird, murky, bad parts of our agricultural systems by, by having smarter, more sophisticated plants. Wow, okay, I've completely flipped. I'm 180 on, on yeah. your side now. So you're also helping just like the environment overall, right? I mean, by taking out CO2 or, or converting it to, to more oxygen, I'd imagine you're like, saving the atmosphere, which could potentially save billions of lives. Is that correct? You're like a superhero? That is, in fact, the goal, Ethan. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm a, just a PhD candidate. So, you know, superhero status, I think, can only be conferred, you know, once I've actually gotten the degree. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the route towards towards superhero now. Mm. Wow. Superhero to be. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, it comes with your diploma. <laughs> <laughs> they give you a cape? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> the rope, the rope <laughs> off. It's the cape is underneath in the spandex. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So just before we get into this, um, man, I really it's it's so hard for me not to insult the movie, just like even in a jokey way. But I'm just going to say movie. I'm not going to use a crap adjective, even though I guess I just did. So, yeah. OK, yeah, technically, I did just put down the movie a little bit. But but before we get into my little issues with it, I guess there is a theory that the movie is actually like a joke that the movie is like actually kind of good and aware of itself. Do you know what I'm talking about? It reminds me of like The Room, but yeah. The Room was not aware. It's almost like they're like, we're going to make The Room, but about plants and it'll be, it's, it's just like they're everyone. I don't think everyone's in on the joke because clearly Mark Wahlberg was not in on the joke. Yeah, I don't know. First of all, I don't know if there is a joke to be in on. I, I want to be clear about that. You think? Do you think the theory is a troll? Like this movie trolled all of us? I'm. I don't want to come down strong on one side or another. I like to be agnostic uh, about a lot of things, but I feel like there is a chance that he was M Night, of course, my buddy M Night was trying to make almost like a parody of his other movies like a, almost like a horror like scary movie kind of did but <laughs> but in a very subtle way yeah I, I i would buy into that having seen this movie it's a it's pretty corny i do not buy into that i don't buy into that at all i think that <laughs> this was a very genuine attempt at a horror movie and just kind of like a soapbox movie where it's just like, here's the morality of blah, 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 <laughs> like pollution. And this is what we're doing to the earth, like really making a point where it was like too much. And then when people are like, Hey man, this is actually really bad. He was like, yeah, yeah. Well, actually we, you know, this is, a, I'm in on that. This was done on purpose. Right. I think it was one I of see those what you're things. saying. It's like a cover up situation yeah, almost. Cover up. I don't, I, I think this movie was, I mean, the casting is brilliant. The chemistry between those two, I mean, spot on. I couldn't, I was in it, hook, line, and sinker. I was like, Mark, Zoe, yes. Also, who's Joey? What happened to Joey? I don't know. They had tiramisu, and then that was it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can you tell me, is there something in, what's in tiramisu? Uh, <laughs> oh, man, I want to say nutmeg, but I don't even think that's right. My first guess might be wrong. Flour? Yeah, the gotta thing be. Where they could, they could drive Joey crazy. And also, they just disregarded it. Okay, I'm starting to break down the movie. This is getting away from the point. But no, love it. Joey really bothered me <laughs> that he would call so much. And then all they did was have dessert. And then Mark was like, You lied to me? And then was like, Okay, like what? And then John Leguizamo makes this big point about how Zoe was crying be right before their wedding and how she's a bad wife. So this whole time, you're just sitting there watching Zoe and you're just like, She's such a bad fucking wife. Like the audience, <laughs> the woman, the one woman. That's her main characteristic is bad wife. <laughs> yeah. Hey, before you really get to know this character, there's something you need to know. She's a bad 
wife. Yeah, you're going to be one of the main characters in this movie. I don't have a name for her yet, but she's a she's a crappy wife. She's like a normal wife, but we're not going to like her. Yeah. <laughs> like they sent Zoe the project and the sides and it was like the character description was like bad wife had tiramisu with a man named joey yeah that's not cheating uh by the way for anybody listening that felt bad watching this movie having tiramisu with uh someone of a different gender is actually fine and you can just come clean and say that and it's not a big deal yeah and then mark i don't know if you if y'all caught this tried to play the game back to make her jealous he chatted up that gal at the pharmacy you know that's a it's a pretty egregious offense. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I I mean the chemistry. Who's chasing who, you know? <laughs> yeah, man, it it really it's like I don't even know where to start honestly. There's so much. But were you guys that is a good question. Like were you guys rooting for them to like get together and make up because that was something I had trouble with also watching the movie where I was like I don't know I, if the point of this I, is for like Mark Wahlberg to kind of realize that he deserves someone better and move on yeah. or do they I don't know like support each other through this tragic event and now have a beautiful happy life together I don't know have y'all read the book attached about attachment theories oh I thought you meant there was a book that came out with this movie called The Happening <laughs> did you read the attached book no I haven't read I haven't read that it's about like, um, it's like a theory, like you can have like a stable attachment where you're like, okay, I'm my own person. You can have like, you can be codependent or you can be an avoidant where one partner mm -hmm. can be really in it. And then when it gets too close, they pull away. And a lot of times those partners go with someone who's more codependent or, or destable. So it's that whole like cycle of a relationship where it's like, I love you. I need you. I'm pulling away. And the other person is like, well, what are you, why are you pulling away from me? I'm Mark Wahlberg. I'm chasing you. And then Zoe's like, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, like I have to raise this little girl. Can we please talk about the trauma of this little, this little girl? Oh man, she is. Yeah. Screwed. Pretty, uh, pretty calm. All things considered, you know, having having very clearly lost both of her parents over the course of this movie. I mean, it, it really so much of the emotional arc just didn't make any sense to me. It was really oh, my gosh. She was so chill. You're right. Crazy chill. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I didn't see I never thought that Zoe and Mark, I never believed that they were together. So it's like, who's chasing who is Mark trying to get her to fall in love with him? Is she trying to fall in love with Mark? Was their relationship just dissipating? It wasn't until the pipe scene where she meets him midway that I felt, mm -hmm. wow, yes, yeah, I, she's waking I up. I wrote a note about that. I mean, you know, we're, we're going all over the movie here, but, you know, whatever. Uh, the, <laughs> whatever, the, COVID. <laughs> whatever. Come on, guys. It's the happening. Let's get real. Um, <laughs> that part really, really bothered me. That was like probably top two, top three ridiculous moments for me about the movie. I want to know how you guys felt about it, but... They know that going outside, at least they're accepting, whether they're right or wrong, that going outside will kill them. And they, they don't even try. There's not, they're, they're there for like 15 minutes, it seems like, in their respective structures. And then he, who's supposedly some sort of scientist, he's a science teacher at least, decides, I'm going to go outside. I'm not going to protect my mouth, my nose. I'm not going to try and bring supplies to you. We're both just going to go outside and essentially kill ourselves and this girl. This yeah. little child. You know, the most confusing part of this whole movie is that it's made very clear. I mean, they see on the news that it's this airborne chemical and no one takes, you know, no one so much as pulls their shirt over their face the whole movie, you know, yeah. no one plugs their nose. They just run away from the wind. I mean, it's that's got to be the most, you know, dramatically, you know, incomprehensive method of avoiding a toxin possible. So I, I was really, really just so confused by that scene. Also, it was like they were fine in the house. I, absolutely just really really frustrating yeah i have two things one those who can't do teach so clearly mark Wahlberg <laughs> would not be a scientist so he has to teach science and two i will say the two old lesbians that were knitting with a face mask i was like yes you go old lesbians like of course we figured it out of course <laughs> not to toot my own <laughs> dicorn but um yeah it was, it was a pretty proud moment to see LGBTQ people represented as like being smart enough to knit and wear a gas mask. 
Sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah, and are you talking about the girls in the beginning? No, I'm talking about like this is like midway through the movie. It's a brief cutout. <laughs> it's like right when there's like news going on and there's so much time. It's like it's happening between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. There's going to be wind. And then it's like cutting through like people watching the news. There are two old women who are wearing gas masks. The only yes, people yes. in the entire movie wearing gas masks. Two old <laughs> women. Where are they getting these gas masks? Knitting. Who's got a gas mask laying around? That's kink. I think these two old women are kink. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. And I remember that moment very vividly because that's exactly what I thought when I was watching. It was like, oh yeah, gas masks. Everyone should be, where are the gas masks in this movie? The army guy doesn't have one? No. Yeah, he pulls up in the Humvee and then he gets out. And it's like, there's got to be some gear in there. You know, there's got to be some means of protecting himself. It was really just really fully confusing. See, but this is also, again, I really, I think there is some merit to this comedy movie thing. Because the army guy was like a total schmuck. And them at the end going out into the outside, you know, just like breathing in air, not covering themselves. The chase scene, I think that you mentioned, Evan, where they're like literally running from wind is like... (laughs) I don't know. There's just a lot of nods to, I know this is ridiculous type filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of what really hit me was just how, like, we were immediately establishing, they immediately established that Mark Wahlberg is just like the most inadequate science teacher possible. And we see it throughout the movie, but like in not even the first scene, he's telling his student, who's a 15 year old boy, that he has a perfect face. I think like (laughs) right thereafter, I was just like, oh my gosh, man, this dude. And, like, he, and, and I love that in that same sequence, he's also agreeing with him that like, there really are no facts. He was kind of saying like, yeah, you know what? Science will just come up with some reason for it. But that's just <laughs> the theory. And we actually don't know anything. And that's a good call. I anticipate we'll touch on this, like kind of, you know, at multiple points during the pod. But like the central kind of evolutionary idea in this film is that like, evolution is so mysterious, we're never going to understand. And, you know, they have everything from like a science teacher to a horticulturist to a, you know, a full-on professor saying this and it's so ridiculous it's like what kind of scientist you know is is content to say oh we'll never know you know the bees are just disappearing and it's going to be a mystery forever you know it's it's really a kind of grinded my gear watching it as as an experimentalist yeah just to keep saying our names as much as possible um ethan evan did you guys (laughs) like at one point in the movie think this is a huge 5g conspiracy movie oh yeah For sure. I was like, yes. how timely right now? And they make, kept making points. Like, like, it's in the wind. It's in the air. And then there's, like, the groups of five. You can't have more than groups of five. And then they went to the house where there was no electricity and no internet. I mean, impact. Yeah. Hello. Wake thought, up, people. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> wake up, sheeple. <laughs> Thank you, Ever. Go off. I didn't know yeah. if you guys, I don't know if you guys picked it up, but I was like, yeah, this is what's happening. I believe that the happening is was actually a big, I mean, waving red flag to say, hey, what are we doing to the earth? I, I mm-hmm. uh, also, could that happen with plants though? Could they really just turn on us like that? Yeah. I mean, that is the big question here yeah. with, with the movie uh, ever. Thank you for asking it. Evan, please answer it. So a cool thing about plants is that they are really actively communicating with things around them all the time. So plants actually, some like 20% of the CO2 that plants are fixing from the air, they're actually re-releasing as chemical volatile signals that are going to other plants their friends and their competitors, they're going to us humans, they're going to pollinators, they're going to microbes, and they're really negotiating these very complex ecological interactions that plants are having. And so, of course, some of those signals are toxins. Um, I think, you know, it's not unreasonable to suggest that a plant, you know, in some future, very, very down the line, maybe millions of years down the line, could evolve to have a neurotoxin that it could release as a volatile. But this idea that suddenly all the plants within a generation just decide to become totally radicalized and kill all the humans and have this coordinated effort where they're talking to each other, I think is, is extreme fiction. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it's, it's, there, there's, a, there's kind of a, a little grain of truth in the whole thing, you know, that plants, they kind of have to live in the same place their entire life. And because of that, they have really, really robust systems of chemical communication with one another. Um, wow. Anything beyond that, I think, is going to be a little bit speculative. And and certainly that plants are going to release a neurotoxin that makes people kill themselves. That's that's definitely fantasy. 
Okay, I do have a question about plants communicating because I had heard it's okay to talk to plants, like um, that they actually respond to it. I do believe that, but part of me doesn't. And then, okay, so I rescued a plant. The brand of the plant is Lisa. It's it's like Lisa brand. I don't know whoever's grow whatever farm has a name their farm Lisa, and it's like a big sort of like house palm. But I found it next to a dumpster and Lisa's come back to life in the living room. But my roommate and I have this running joke where we blame everything on Lisa. So like if the neighbors are loud, we're just like, Lisa, shut up. Is that like affecting my plant Lisa in a negative way? Yeah. So definitely my favorite quote in this movie is that, uh, you know, this horticulturist is in his his greenhouse and he's speaking to the plants and he's like, oh, it's going to be OK, babies. We'll be back. Whatever. You know, very sweet. Man, right? The, which one? Hot dog man. Of course, the hot dog man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he says, uh, the, the line is like, you know, they've been able to prove that plants respond to human touch. They've done studies. And I, I think, you know, it's my general opinion, considering the evidence out there, that plants aren't really so susceptible to human speech. Um, wow. Plants can detect noises. Uh, they have kind of mechanoreceptors that can sense vibrations in the air and in the soil. But nobody's been ever able to like definitively show that that's you know specifically to be perceiving any noises that are coming from humans or other animals. So that's pretty fictitious, I, I would say. Well, but the movie makes a point to talk about energy. You know, he has this mood ring, and he's telling oh, the daughter, um, "Super chill. <laughs> we have chill daughter." We have hot dog man. We have bad wife. Uh, I'm talking about chill daughter, about how her energy affects the mood ring, and and we all give off a certain energy. So it hasn't there been some studies done? Like I remember there was like the famous one with water, and that it turns to ice, and they open the freezer and they yell at it, and then they open another freezer and they say, "I love you, you're beautiful," and it like makes different shapes. So it is it, it, to me the the plant hot dog man theory was kind of coming from that. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't speak to those specific studies, but it sounds a, a little spurious to me. Um, and, and, you know, certainly I was confused this entire movie as to why a grown man was wearing a mood ring and having to incorporate it kind of metaphysically into every single thing that happened to him. <laughs> Listen, at the end, his bad wife, like, it was the one thing, that was the one good thing that they had in their relationship was this memory of the mood ring. And he was just mood ring onto it that's the significance of this ring Mark, get a divorce so but like she he gave it to her but then he was wearing it and it was like did she yes. not want the mood ring like i i don't i didn't understand what was going on i mean it that makes sense that she doesn't want it and he shouldn't want it either it's weird i i don't want to judge people for wearing mood rings but at least in this movie it was in a lot of shots and it was distracting and I don't know. I don't think it paid off for me, but I, I'm not trying to attack the movie. And I love <laughs> everyone in it, and I love everyone who worked on it, and I thought it's always great to see John Leguizamo. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, we, we love the movie. Nobody's attacking the movie. You know? I'm attacking <laughs> yeah. the movie. I'm, attack I'm going on record. I'm attacking the movie. <laughs> all right. I'm attacking this movie. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go back to the show about science. So, okay, this this stuff is like insanely interesting to me as far as the plants that they're able to send out some sort of communication. There was one mentioned in the movie, uh, tobacco plants. He says, and again, this is not a scientist. I'm quoting this is Hot Dog Man. So he talks about tobacco plants, and I think that they tell wasps to kill caterpillars. Yes. So this is a really cool thing. Is that right? Yeah, it, it, it totally checks out. And actually, the story, uh, since this movie was made, actually, the story has become a little bit more complicated in a super, super interesting way. So here's the story. So a tobacco plant is in a mm. field, and it's getting preyed upon by a caterpillar. And the tobacco plant, in light of this herbivory, decides that it's going to release a chemical signal into the air. And what's interesting about this chemical signal is that if you just, you know, get anything to generically crunch on a leaf, it's not going to produce the same signal. There's actually something specifically in the saliva of that caterpillar that potentiates this chemical signal. And so the signal goes into the air and it actually recruits these parasitoid wasps. And I kind of am glad that uh, M. Night Shyamalan did not learn about this parasitism because I think this would be a super, super gnarly movie, uh, even gnarlier than it is right now if he figured this out. But what these wasps do is they, they can specifically be recruited to the leaves and they lay their eggs inside the caterpillars. What? And those eggs, the larvae, essentially over uh, over the next few weeks, begin to grow and eat that caterpillar from the inside out. And finally, after a few weeks, they bust out and kill the caterpillar. 
And so essentially it's it's just like the most metal thing possible. It is it is super, super spooky. And you know, since since this movie has come out, people have now actually been able to show that not only is a wasp involved and a caterpillar involved, but also a virus is involved. And so these wasps actually bring with them, with their eggs, a virus that goes inside the caterpillar and weakens the caterpillar's immune system. Um, oh my and essentially, God. these wasps and viruses have this mutualistic relationship where they're helping one another kind of live out their life cycle. Um, it's just absolutely insane. Uh, so there is a little bit of truth to to kind of, you know, these, these volatile signals uh, really helping plants depend themselves um so wait a second uh, take me back the caterpillar is crunching you said on the leaves and that gives off like the plant gives off some sort of signal that it's like under attack yeah exactly so there's something in the saliva in of that caterpillar that changes the chemicals inside of the leaf uh that kind of turns them into these volatile chemicals that will go into the air and recruit the wasps and that was like developed over time like the plants uh, chemistry wasn't always like that. Like the, after, I don't know, however long of being attacked, then it like developed this weird thing that combines with their saliva or was that like always there? Yeah. So it has definitely evolved. Um, and what's interesting about, about this, uh, this whole kind of system with the virus and the wasp and the caterpillar is that if you kind of do a back of the envelope calculation to estimate about how long, you know, a system like that would take to evolve, we're talking on the order of millions to tens of millions of years. And so I think just on its face, the idea that plants will suddenly overnight, you know, kind of have this ability to specifically target humans, I think is a, is a little bit silly in light of, uh, of other examples from the plant kingdom. Wow. So you, because they do say, I think a couple times that plants must rapidly evolve in order to survive. I think that's also the hot dog man speaking there. But but you're saying that if you had to predict it, these plants were being attacked by caterpillars for millions of years, and then, you know, something slowly evolved where now they can, they can, you know, get help. Yes. Yeah. So what we do know is that that symbiosis between the, the wasp and its virus has existed for something like 70 million years. Um, and they've essentially been evolving alongside each other. And, and now they're almost entirely dependent on each other for their respective life cycles. And so we can expect that, uh, you know, this this uh, kind of predation and the recruitment of wasps to protect tobacco plants has existed for also, you know, an, an incredibly long time. And so I, I think also, you know, we can kind of infer that the, the rate of evolution for these sorts of things is, is, a, is pretty slow. So I, I think the, the, the concept of rapid evolution, you know, spontaneously introducing something into, you know, populations of distantly related plants, I think is a little far fetched. So... You're thinking that in this movie, it was the government. It was definitely the government. Okay. Oh, yeah. So you're yeah. saying it was the government. Okay, just also, I'm just my mind is a little blown right now thinking about this virus and the wasp and the tobacco evolution. And yeah. I'm wondering if M. Night was kind of trying to make a point of maybe when the girl was swinging on the tree on the tree swing. Can we talk about this? The <laughs> are releasing a neurotoxin because they're pissed off. So Zoe, the bad wife, now a bad mother, is putting this new child of hers on a tree swing. Mm -hmm. And Mark is like, or she's like, what kind of tree is this? And he, what did he say? Maple? It's a maple tree. Yep. Yeah. Do maple trees have any type of, you know, can they release? Yeah, toxin defense. Or, or how would they talk? Yeah, so almost all plants are releasing some type of uh, volatile compound into the environment. And, you know, you you can smell these. I mean, if you smell uh, the, the smell of freshly cut grass, that's the smell of, uh, of grass saying, oh, no, like I've been, you know, I've been chopped up, you know, and it's warning it for, um, and, and telling them to kind of, you know, activate their immune systems, be prepared for some some offense. And so I think it's reasonable to suggest that, you know, a big maple tree like that would be able to, to have the repertoire to be putting some volatiles into the air. But to suggest that it could spontaneously, you know, alongside all these little weeds that have been alive for probably a couple of months, you know, this big tree has been alive for probably decades, you know, that they could both just, in, you know, immediately develop this ability to, to be re releasing chemicals is a... The same, the same toxin is, is a little far-fetched. Well, could, is it far-fetched that this would only stay in a certain region? Or if this really happened, would it just be widespread? <laughs> this wouldn't happen. But I, I mean, okay, yeah, but it, it, <laughs> it's, it's hard to, to, you know, gleam any real life, you know, wisdom from, from this example because it's, it's just so crazy. Uh, what do you think that it happened in Paris? I mean, it's such a beautiful city. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and in that gorgeous garden, it was like, you know, all, all these well 
you know, well kept after plants, you know, people are looking out for them, you know, they don't, they don't have a problem with humans. Like New Jersey, I get, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, what's crazy is like, you know, we we see this, you know, this whole kind of event starts in Central Park and we're looking at like oak trees and, you know, elm trees and cherry trees. And then we're out in the middle of Pennsylvania. It's totally different flora, but you know, they still have this like coordinated response. It's just like a, it's fun to imagine like all these plants, you know, states apart from one another conspiring, you know, be like on this day, we're going to let it all out. You know, let's, let's really get them. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I should point out that there is part of that, like this movie is a comedy that's aware of itself. A uh, theory is that it's also about mass hysteria and like American paranoia. Um, although I guess at the end it's France too. So I don't know, world paranoia, human paranoia yeah. might be more accurate. Do you think, I, I feel like there's like a Reddit, I, I should have looked this up, but I bet there's like a Reddit conspiracy theory of the happening where they're just pointing out all of the truths that have like come true or come to fruition of every, like everything that's happening now, what the happening is called out. Um, I, you know, even I would like to say that they even pointed out the militia. It was almost like a warning to have like a group of friends with a lot of guns, but no face mask. Am I crazy right. here to think that maybe... Maybe M. Night was like, those who have ears, hear me. Or what is that Bible verse? Like, those who can see, see. Maybe M. Night was like, they'll get it. They'll hear. Not that I'm saying M. Night is the Messiah, but maybe that's what M. Messiah. Oh, wow. You mm-hmm. know what? I think I might troll Reddit later yep, today. I yep. I like where this is going. Yeah. Really just pop off on some conspiracy i've got look it's COVID. i got a lot of time on my hands right now i'm gonna pop off on how messiah knight Shyamalan has predicted <laughs> COVID 19 and has told us all in advance about 5g via neurotoxins in plants i mean and how this will become a worldwide epidemic if there was a, if there was a six episode netflix documentary series called messiah knight Shyamalan, like i'm gonna watch that yeah. yeah, I feel, well, I don't know how political this gets, but it, it definitely feels like this is something that perhaps our current administration would repeat word for word in a press conference. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I do think those points about, you know, paranoia and hysteria were accurate. Like in mm-hmm. when it did show, you know, like you just mentioned those militia guys, you know, without gas masks and just a bunch of Which guns just fall. loading up guns. Because I know a few people in a militia, and they have gas masks. Of course. Yeah. That's the first thing you get. God, mm-hmm. I'm from Texas. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm from Florida, so oh, okay. it's... We, um, we get it. <laughs> people love guns, and anyway, there were parts of the movie that I did feel like, yeah, oh, this is like making a comment on the way that we live and the way that we intake information. And, you know, although they did have scientists on the television that were like, they seem like kind of radical, and, and I guess they seem like wrong. Because if you're making the point that this is all just hysteria then why why are the scientists convinced that it's plants you know what i mean yeah so i wonder if you walked away from this movie feeling like more you know convinced that you should be involved in environmentalism or did you you know Mm. maybe had had, did it encourage you to think at all about you know the preservation of ecosystems or you know i mean i will say i was watching it taking notes and like thinking about science shit so that did occur to me but I don't remember thinking about it the first time I saw it. However, you know, 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's, you know, there's this interesting kind of recurring thread through the movie where, you know, we're introduced at the beginning to, you know, the bees are going extinct and they're just disappearing. And then we're introduced to these red tides, you know, these big algal blooms that are, you know, which actually do release neurotoxins into the air. Um, And then, you know, now this freak plant accident. And, you know, I think the, the overarching narrative, I think we're led to believe that, like, this is because of climate change and this is because of human intervention, you know, in, in all these ecosystems. But like, mm-hmm. it's just so unconvincing. I thought like, it's just like the whole one. Mark, Mark, at one point he's like, I think I'm beginning to see a pattern here. And it's like, what, man, what's the pattern? Like all of these are totally dissimilar examples. Like you, you've even gone so far as to say that like, they're totally unexplainable. You know, like what, what do they have in common with one another if you don't understand what's happening? So I, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I appreciate the attempt, you know, 2008, you know, M night was trying to to put us on, but I, I really don't think that they, uh, they, they really sent that one home. I did walk away like going, yeah, like we've really fucked it up. Uh, we fucked up some bad mm. shit. 
<laughs> I was going to mention the bees thing. I was just going to comment on how I think they said specifically it was like an Einstein quote that if the bees disappeared off the face of the earth, man would only have four years left to live. So I looked it up and it is attributed to Einstein, but there's also no evidence that he said that. Uh, somebody said that it is the kind of thing he would say. So it's like we might as well attribute it to him. <laughs> but do you, uh, Evan, believe that to be true? And if so, what's our current status with the bees? Are we are we screwed with the bees? Uh, no specific insight on the quote, even. I will say that uh, with the bees, man, you know, it is it is a pretty dire situation. I think the bee thing is, is kind of a pretty unexplainable phenomenon. There are, you know, a lot of a lot of good hypotheses as to how that's happening. And, uh, you know, wow. people are working hard on seeing that they're preserved. But there, there are fundamental ecological transitions that are occurring right now that are uh, kind of making it harder to be a bee, um, especially a wild bee. And so you can pay a lot of credence also to the idea of these red tides, uh, at least here in the United States. Uh, there are these harmful algal blooms you know, that happen typically in estuaries and you know, in oceanic environments. Th these are increasing in prevalence, and a lot of that can be attributed to transitions in ecology and also increasing water temperatures. And so... You know, there is some truth to the ideas that are introduced in this movie. So these red tides are kind of the happening. They are a little bit the happening. Yeah, they they actually pose a, a really significant threat threat sometimes to humans and animals because they uh, some of these they're they're typically like dinoflagellates and and you know kind of single cellular algae that that bloom up in water bodies and they actually can produce neurotoxins. Um, and and sometimes those neurotoxins will be able to become airborne and aerosolized and you know kind of be able to I mean to hurt people dude come on then this is totally making the happening valid and legit because <laughs> it's just as crazy of an idea if I came to you and you didn't know anything about red tides and I told you that there's like water that weirdly turns red and releases neurotoxins into the air that can kill organisms that's the same that's the happening yeah, I mean, there's there are certainly some similarity similarities, but you know, red tides have been around for 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 quite a while. You know, that's that's old news. I think you know, plants spontaneously developing that ability is a is a little bit more uh, a little bit more unsubstantiated by by any examples in nature. I just think he could have totally been inspired by it. Oh yeah, yeah, inspiration for sure. Are the red tides the same thing that's causing like? off the coast of um i think long beach and maybe throughout california right now there's like a blue tide an electrical tide have you guys seen this on instagram no it's going down that? long beach and if there's a there's an algae in the water that like at night it glows like a fluorescent like neon blue yeah oh i did yes. see something about that what is that yeah what is that is that bad um so yeah frequently those aren't necessarily like bad or you know neurotoxin producing microorganisms those are just bioluminescent organisms that sometimes uh, have bl have blooms off the coast um uh, super super mm -hmm. exciting type of organism I, th I think i've been really stunned by these videos as, as a lot of people have um but yeah typically uh you know harmful algal blooms are uh not really so exciting to look at and something that you want to run away from because there is going to be a toxin in the air. Would you know it? Like you, like an al, you said algo, algo, algo bloom? An algo bloom, yeah. Could it ever evolve to be camouflaged? Like just like a regular bloom? So you're like, mm -hmm. well, this water's fine. And then you get near it and then bingo, bango. Emily, our producer is saying that it has a bad smell. Can you comment on that? Oh, yeah. I think on that, Evan. <laughs> yeah, Evan. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck is that? It's you know, so the the specific species that are responsible for these blooms can vary. So I think you know, generically, I think it would be very reasonable that you know there would be a bad smell. I think what you might notice first is that there's kind of an abrasive quality to the air in your lungs. But yeah, generally, uh, you know, the the organisms that are responsible are are pretty different from one another. Uh, I, I looked into this a little bit in preparation for this, and so. I think there's not such a generic uh, thing that, that you might expect from any one bloom. So I do have a question. One time I went to the beach and there was like a lot of like seaweed in it, in the ocean. It was, it was due because of the, it was off of the Gulf of Mexico and the, the receptionist was like, oh, the water is fine. The coral reef is dying. So it's all coming up and that's just seaweed but it smelled like sulfur. It smelled really bad. Mm. Should I not have swam in that? Because I did. How do you feel now? Are you okay? I mean, I feel fine. Um, <laughs> I feel okay. I definitely feel like I crapped. I crapped. I cracked the code of the happening. Like I, 
You know, <laughs> if anything, my mind is clearer because I swam in this. Yeah. <laughs> That's really when you came up with your your best stuff. You know, I don't want to <laughs> put that into your head or whatever, but like yeah. that, I think that's true. But yeah. also, is there a coral reef off of the Gulf of Mexico? I don't specifically know that. I wouldn't be surprised if there were. You don't know about the reefs, God, <laughs> dude. Come some on. <laughs> Evan. You're supposed to know about these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't reached that level yet, but yeah. Speaking about things that we should all know, I had a question for for both of you, Ever and Evan, um, who maybe you guys should just have your own podcast because that sounds cool. Why were people walking backwards when they got infected? Super, super strange. Kind of a mystery to me. Um, I don't know if if either of y'all are hip to this idea of of toxoplasmosis. Have you heard of this? No, Um, no. Evan. So there is, that sounds cool. There is a parasite. It might even be in many of our brains. Um, and it, it's, uh, it is associated. Okay, stop there. That's terrifying. Yes, right. Can you believe that? This is in our brains already. Yes. Awesome. And so here's what happened. So, so let's talk about mice because toxoplasma is in, is in the brains of a lot of animals. But when it's in the brains of mice, it's especially interesting. So when it gets into the brain of a mouse, it starts causing some damage and it flips this switch where the mouse becomes, instead of being uh, kind of uh, repelled by the odor of a cat, becomes attracted to the smell of a cat and as a result Holy crap. these mice start acting super weird they start walking backwards you can watch a video they like behave super strangely and they'll actually move towards a cat they'll get eaten and then this toxoplasma completes its reproductive life cycle in the body of the cat the cat what? oh my god it goes into the water it goes into the soil um, another mice picks it up, another mouse picks it up and it completes its cycle and so there is this idea that there are, you know, these biological agents that can really uh, drive animals to kind of extreme circumstances. Um, you know, we saw in the movie Jesus. the zookeeper that's basically just feeding himself to lions, and I thought that that was yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Nature, yeah. Yes, yes, I have been thinking about that because can our arms just be ripped off like that? <laughs> <laughs> And we don't feel anything also. We're just kind of like, oh, okay, let's do this one now. Yeah. Is that how our bodies, Evan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Evan, what's that called again? I want to write that, that toxic. What's the thing yeah. in the mice's and our brains? Toxoplasma. Gondii. Toxoplasma. Toxoplasma. That sounds so fake. Yeah, isn't it crazy? Uh, and Gondii. G-O-N-D-I-I. Have we and are we already using this to implement in chemical warfare? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. You know, you'd have to ask the, uh, ask the government, you know. I think that's a, I, I can answer that for you, Evan. That's a for sure. Yeah, oh. yeah, for sure. We're, that's a 10-4. <laughs> we're, we're toxoplasma tr- uh, truthers here. We're really trying to get to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> toxoplasma truthers. Um, that's great. Okay, so yeah, I was totally asking the people walk backwards thing as a joke and had no idea that there's like such legitimate science. And I'm really gaining so much respect for Messiah night during this podcast, because I thought, honestly, I really thought all these ideas were just based in like, oh, I don't fucking know. I got to make another scary movie. So this is what I'm coming up with. But these are all completely legitimate situations. It seems like it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's there's necessarily some cool biological inspiration for some of the things that we see here. Um, And, you know, it's fun to think about. I love thinking about how plants, you know, are communicating with one another and you know, maybe are, are collaborating on something and trying to get rid of environmental pests. Uh, but, you know, at the scale that yeah. we're seeing in this movie, it's a, it's maybe not so realistic. Man. Yeah. So wild. And that part with the lion, I, uh, the, the weirdest part about the lion video was the lady next to him in the restaurant who decides to show him. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, the iPhone. <laughs> it's so funny to do that, to be sitting next to somebody in a diner and be and say, oh my God, look at this guy get killed on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's like the nine-year-old girl sitting, you know, just a seat away. It was like just super, super out of pocket, but you know. Yeah, and they all just kind of like quietly watch it too. They're all like, oh man, that's crazy. Instead of being like, whoa, whoa, hey, get that shit away from me. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> also, two kids get blown up. <laughs> we have to mention that. Yeah. That's the number one uh shocking moment for me of that fucking movie is that they get shotgunned <laughs> only the kids yes yeah yeah so senseless so just like absolutely just all shock i i, I couldn't believe that myself i was laughing and, and again more evidence for a comedy gotta say you know yeah. i think this is messiah night being like look what's happening to society children are dying we are killing our own children. I think Messiah Knight was really onto something here. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was warning us that we're in the background of America. We're shotgunning our children. 
and that weird like lurking phallic ish kind of barrel of the shotgun poking out of the window just kind of like tease like i'm gonna get this i'm gonna get you like before yeah. it blew that kid's brains out oh yeah not to mention this <laughs> The, the slow motion Marky Mark reaction to it where he's like, no, you know, it's like, you see everything. Yeah, exaggeration. Jared! It's like, we barely know Jared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we barely know this kid. Not Jared. Also, what the guy could have very easily fired the shotgun anywhere and they would have been freaked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Shoots a kid in the chest, knows that it's a kid. The kid is talking to them. Yes. The kid is really becoming quite aggressive, though. Um, Yeah, no, that is true. And the little girl's like, I'm not even hungry. The little girl's like, I haven't even said I was hungry. My parents are dead. Like, I'm processing it. Yeah, and I think the kid calls him like a pussy or a bitch. So it's like, it's a comment on paranoia for sure and hysteria, but also... It's a comment on, like, the youth of today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty angry kids. I don't know where they got those guys. but uh... I mean, wouldn't you be angry? Look at this situation he's <laughs> been thrust into. <laughs> I feel like in this kid's mind, he was like, I'm going to get this. He's being the man Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg, should have been for Zoe. He's like, I'll show you. Yes. And, and I'll whisk you away, young girl, and I'll be your hero. You know what? Like, I feel like he was playing this whole, like, 12 year old romance scene <laughs> well hey i guess the lesson there is like big macho heroes get shotgunned in the <laughs> face and the chest and also yeah. okay, can we also just talk about real quick i know i'm getting off topic again with plants okay we never see zoe and mark kiss we barely see them like hold hands who's chasing who? Right. we don't know oh is that the moment where this will be falling in love all of a sudden now she's pregnant and that little girl's calling her auntie She's going to be a bad mom, yeah. bad aunt, and a bad wife. Yeah. Definitely the worst mom uh, moment there is that, you know, three months after plants, you know, probably take out the majority of the eastern seaboard, seaboard, she's sitting in her bathroom, you know, looking at a pregnancy test, and she has house plants right behind her. <laughs> Wouldn't you be a little skeptical of your plants if, you know, had they just, you know, killed every single person that you know? I did not. Um, yeah. And arguably, <laughs> it's still going on because then it's in France. So it's not like it's done. And the daughter has no protection. Like you couldn't think to, I don't know, like homeschool her or send her out with a gas mask just in case. I don't know. Yeah, nobody's doing that. And then they, she puts a framed photo of her parents in her backpack. Like, okay, oh, you know what, honey? I did forget your parents. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Take them with you in this like glass enclosure. Yeah. What? That's a terrible move. I mean, there was also the lady, like, I know we're talking about the kids, and it's like, oh, the youth of today are crazy with their cursing and whatever. But that, no one was crazier than the old lady uh, with the cookies, where she, like, puts out, could you imagine somebody putting out cookies in the middle of a table and then slapping, slapping your hand because yeah. you're reaching for a cookie? Yeah. That was wild. Yeah, yeah kind of that, that entire character just didn't make any sense, really. It's like, even when she was dead, even when she was whatever, quote unquote, infected, it didn't make any sense. She started like headbutting windows, like as a way of, I don't know, killing the people inside. You're supposed to only want to kill yourself. And that's not going to do it. Yeah, really kind of strange. And the weird doll that she slept with. Oh, my God. It was like he was throwing out the tropes. He was like, how can I make this scary? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. A scary doll. We have it on set. I mean, film it. it. Throw it in. I don't know. (laughs) The the movie's too short. You have to say one last. Okay. One other quick thing going through my conspiracy theory to put on my Reddit page and also about the genius of this movie. Okay. So at the end, the last line is bicycle, right? He's like my bicycle. I had to put my bicycle away. Uh Yep. (laughs) Numerical significance, angel significance of bicycle. Bicycle (laughs) symbolizes the moving circle of life. Are you Whoa. telling me that M. Night is not a genius? <laughs> I <laughs> mean, clearly purpose. he is. That was on purpose. He also got to keep making a bunch of movies. So <laughs> if you make a movie like this and then you still get, you know, however much money to keep making movies, that's also probably smart. Uh, whatever. He's a smart dude. Yeah. Have you met him? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Me and M. Night uh, go bowling. We go midnight bowling. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Go plan shot. <laughs> yeah, I should have asked him all these. Qu- I don't even know why I didn't have him on the podcast. That was stupid. Now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> um, no, listen, we got to go. I I could be 
asking you guys so much about this movie. I really have enjoyed talking to you about it. But but before we go and uh, and tell people about where they can find you on socials and all that good stuff, do you want to, as a quiz, guess the ingredients of tiramisu? We mentioned it earlier. I have them in front of me. Okay. Yes. Eggs. Egg yolks is correct. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm actually, I'm feeling good about nutmeg. Can we go nutmeg? Nutmeg, I do not see here. There's uh, different ways to make it, but I'm not seeing it here. Cacao? Yes, cacao. Okay. Um, I bet there's some sort of milk particle or creamed or a can- condensed milk. Anything like this. Anything condensed. Mm, I actually I do not. It. There is a dairy involved, but I'm not seeing milk. Um, is it like, it's like a cream or like a... Like a cheese component? It, it is a cheese. Oh. Anyone want to guess cool. the cheese? Is it... Ooh. Um, is it like... What's that? Like mascarpone? Like the one that people... Yeah, that's correct. Whoa. Oh, yes. No. Yes. Wow. Man. Cinnamon? Is there cinnamon? No. Oh. Not that I'm seeing here. Damn. That's, that's kind of the big ones you got. Oh, and there is one. Sorry. Uh, I'm seeing here another recipe with heavy cream. Oh. So you you were right about that uh, yeah. ever. And there's, there's like a coffee component, isn't there? We're emitting a coffee component. That's correct. Yes, certain certain recipes also have a, a coffee in it. Oh. So this is who this is what Zoe and Joey were employing <laughs> together while mm-hmm. Mark was teaching the scientific method over and over to beautiful teens. Hey, listen, this is a this is a very romantic dish. So let's also not <laughs> underestimate the sexuality of tiramisu. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's lost on me. Um, okay, so yeah, ever where can people? I mean, I doubt you're performing unless it's like online. So are you are you doing those? Uh, uh, you know, stand up shows on all Zoom. The time, yes, it's a Zoom. It's an Instagram. Um, you can see me. I'm always putting out some weird little videos on Instagram. You know, um, mm-hmm. but it's ever like the word, and then Maynard M A I N A R D. Um, on all socials. Fantastic. Nice. Well, thank you again for being on the show. And uh, and Evan, should people be, I don't know, planting more uh, plants or donating to CRISPR or what can they what can they do? Well, if you want to learn more about some of the stuff I talked about, you can uh, you can go on my website, uh, evangroover.com or you can find me on Twitter. I usually do a lot of science stuff on there. It's uh, at Evan underscore Groover. Um, and that's uh, Groover, G-R-O-O-B-E-R. And yeah, and if you live in the greater Bay Area, I'm, I'm pretty active, uh, you know, giving talks and, you know, discussing agriculture with my community. So I'd, I'd love to talk to you sometime about it. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much for, for coming on the show. Everybody check out all their shit. And, uh, and I'm going to be jealous at least the rest of the day, probably the weekend, because we're recording this on a Friday, of, of both of your names, uh, Ever Maynard and Evan Groover. Uh, really, really cool. <laughs> and uh, I, hopefully I'll talk to you for the next Messiah Night Shyamalan movie. What else could we do? It. The Lady in the Water, I guess? Or, or oh, The Village, maybe? The Sign- Village. Oh. <laughs> Put my foot down on The Village. Evan, how do you okay. feel about the village? I haven't seen them. Are there are there plants in it? There's, There's yeah. I'd love it. There's got to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See you then, and uh, thanks again. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our associate producer is Emily Feld. Our engineer is Jeremy Schmidt. Bad Science is edited by Lucas Bollinger, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. And our executive plant producer is Brett Gushner. Oh, follow us on Instagram at BadSciencePod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at BadScienceAtSeeker.com. That's BadScienceAtSeeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver. But it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye.